when my work went viral uh, on Instagram and becoming a thing, I was super mega overwhelmed and super alone. Super mega alone. Das ist der Telekom Electronic Beats Podcast. Der Podcast rund um Nachtleben und Clubkultur. Wir sprechen mit DJs, Türstehern, Tänzern, Clubbetreibern und anderen Nachtmenschen. Mein Name ist Gesine Kühne. Und ich bin Jakob Töne. Herzlich willkommen beim Electronic Beats Podcast. Welcome to our Telecom Electronic Beats podcast. My name is Gesine Kühne and this episode is in English because our guest is a non-German speaker. She's from France, from Paris to be precise. Her name is Joanna Jaskowska. The 28-year-old female broke the internet. That's what I always say because she invented a face filter that went through the roof. Over half a million people used it. It's called Beauty 3000. A very cyborg-esque futuristic Instagram filter, which is a major part of our conversation. How she became a face filter designer and what has changed in her life since she became famous through it. Just to mention one big name, even Billie Eilish knocked on her door to work with her. Well, I don't want to give you all the insights to the conversation I had with Joanna. You just have to listen to it. Salut, Joanna. Ça va? Salut. Ça va très bien. Merci. Et vous? Ça va bien. We are talking via Zoom because you are in Spain. What are you doing in Spain? Uh, I'm living here. Ah, okay. I'm I'm living here. Yeah, it's uh, my next. Uh, I mean, my my actual destination. Mm -hmm. And I really like Spain. I really like the people. I think it's a great place to live. I always lived in uh, places where it was really gray and rainy. And actually, Spain is uh, very good weather. And I don't know. Whereabouts in Spain are you? Uh, I'm in Madrid. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. So for But for lockdown at the moment? No, 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 no. No. Okay. No, no, no. There is a. I think from today there is a curfew, uh, but it's only from midnight to six. So it's okay. I mean, it's life. It's regular, more or less regular life. I was in Paris uh, last week, and the curfew is from twenty one to to six in the morning, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's a different story. Like you yeah. don't have nightlife at all. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, this is the this is the reason why we're talking via Zoom. Is um, I was supposed to visit you, but I said I don't want to fly at the moment, and yeah. I don't want to go into quarantine. And it's a it's it's a lot to think about if I want to do a work travel, even you know. So that's that's why yeah, yeah. Zoom works for me. It's it's always nice to see the people through the camera, even though it would be nicer to see you in person, yeah. of course. <laughs> yeah, we um, have to keep up one day. Yes, your accent gives it away, and my poor French attempt uh, in the beginning, <laughs> because that's <laughs> what I know. Sava, sava bien, you know. Um, yeah. You are you're French. You grew up in Paris. Yeah. And in 2016, you made your way to Berlin. Yes. Um, first to work in an agency and second to break the internet through an Instagram filter, pretty much. <laughs> uh, yeah, more or less. So basically my background uh, in Paris, I 
I grew up there. Uh, my mother came when she was 25. She, mm-hmm. she, she did the Beaux-Arts and then she was doing like uh, the uh, art restoration. There was no mm-hmm. job. So I don't know. I grew up in the suburb of Paris, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, immigrant family uh, in the suburb of Paris uh, was a lot of fun. Um, but life is super hard in Paris, you know. Uh, yeah, it's very very expensive, especially very if you expensive. want to live in the inner inner circle. Yeah, um, yeah of P- Paris. Yeah, I was lucky to to choose kind of young that I wanted to do art and design studies. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, my baccalauréat, which is like the you know the the main the abitur, the abitur, <laughs> yeah. Um, I did it already specialized specialized in uh, art and design. Mm-hmm. So I saved one year. And uh, I had like really good marks, so I could make it. Uh, I could make it in like a very good, good school in Paris for mm-hmm. free. And I was help. Um, I had bourses, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was kind of okay. But like all my life, I was working. I, I never. Yeah. I had to work. I was working in a bar. I was working parties. I was doing tattoos. I was doing anything to make money to to mm-hmm. to have a life no mm-hmm. um it, it's interesting i mean you also your name gives it away uh you have polish roots so your parents are uh, emigrated from poland to france yeah or, so yeah okay both my of them mom, are polish exactly my mom is from krakow mm-hmm. um and my my all the family from my mom's side and they my mom came to do uh the fine art school in Paris and uh, she was pretty young but back in the days the situation in Poland was really bad and my grandfather called my mom and said you should stay in Paris it's much better if you stay so she stayed and she made her life there she had my sister she had me and Mm -hmm. and voila Uh, my mother my father is a different story because uh, I met him last year Oh, okay. So your parents were separated quite young after having the, the kids. No, actually. So uh, my sister and I, and I, we have different father. And it's okay, another yeah. story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, basically, when my, my mom and my father met, uh, they were dancing together. They had a short story. And my mm-hmm. father, back in the days, was a hard worker. He was traveling a lot. And he moved. And uh, after that, my mother realized that she was pregnant uh, from me. Okay. And uh, and they there was no Facebook, there was no Instagram, there was no way to contact people, so mm. they lost each other. And I don't know. I think it was end of 2018. I was really, I wanted to know. I'm very curious as a person, and mm. I started to do my researches. And um, I had a wrong name. Uh, like a wrong spelling name so it was really hard to find anything but like somehow like I digged the internet and I found I found him and I was like fuck it I'm gonna send a message if it's him it's cool I'm gonna meet him and if it's not him uh, I tried so I tried Mm -hmm. and it was him and last year in August we met and he remembers everything he's so happy to have a daughter he feels (laughs) sad that he missed all my use because mm-hmm. it's the best of of children's no like when you grow up see you're growing and i'm already like achieved uh, i'm an adult i know where what i'm doing where i'm going etc etc so but he's very happy and he recognized me by the law so 
I have a officially a father. Oh, that's Which amazing. is crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Congratulations. I mean, I, I wasn't, uh, <laughs> I really didn't know what kind of uh, wasp nest I'm going to poke just to ask about your, your parents. But that's, that's a really nice story. And I can yeah. tell that I can tell everyone who is listening that you're glowing when you're talking about <laughs> that story. It's really, really nice to see that it was such a happy, happy end. Um, you said it before your mom, is already an artist. She's very artsy. So that was in in your household. Um, art was a part of your upbringing, I, yeah. I figure. Um, but can you recall if there was also like an early interest in robots, like a toy, for example? Because I see you as someone who is so interested in cyborgs. You yeah, have yeah. this fascination. Maybe there was a robot story somewhere in your youth. Uh, not at all. Not at okay. all. Uh, I mean, we grew up in a really modest uh, family and uh, I I had like the regular Barbie toys and like, mm -hmm. uh, but never had like super technical. And back in the mm -hmm. days, I don't know, in the in the early 2000 year, mm -hmm. uh, robots were really expensive. So it's not the kind of tough I, I would have. I was more into video games. I was more, I was more into like uh, computers. Uh, hacking things, finding games for free, like, uh, you know, downloading illegally things to have, like, all the games. That's how I started with computer. Like, back in the days, we had one computer and, and one, I think we had a, a Dreamcast. Yeah. It is the only, um, game, uh, console. How to say that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, con console, you can say that. Um, yeah. It, console is the German word, so everyone yeah. will understand, I guess. <laughs> so, so it was the only thing I had. And I remember that we found a way to, 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 uh, make, um, to download games online. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then like put them on a CD and with the Dreamcast, there was like a hack to do so we could have all the games we wanted. So it was really nice. Um, so yeah, and like and and computers, no, like yeah, it was so much and fun back in the days. It was the best time of the internet. And besides that, um, were there also shows or movies that you watched that were also very nerdy? I don't know. Uh, I, I can't. I, I can't say which one now. I have a, a couple in my mind, but I don't recall their names anymore. Yeah, you know, there's something sci-fi, something yeah. computer, something very nerdy, something futuristic. Um, what we were thinking um, as an utopia when we watched it, but it's actually now it's reality. You know, maybe yeah, yeah. you had something like that as well. Mm, the the shows I was watching when I was young was more like a family. It was a family meeting, no? Mm -hmm. uh, it was mm -hmm. like every Friday uh, or every Tuesday evening at this time. And we were like, like cooking something and watching the show. So it was for the whole family. It was not really mm -hmm. okay. something uh, I was like really obsessed with. And it mm -hmm. was different times. Like back in the days, there was no Netflix. There was no, you, you didn't have access to everything. You were just like following what is on the TV and what is a program yeah. this day. So with the family, we were... So maybe we were watching, like, for example, uh, Stargate. That was really sci-fi, super, super cool with the Goa Woods mm -hmm. and, like, 
futuristic things, but we were watching like uh, whatever fits to the family. No, I don't know. Yeah, Doctor House. Or uh, yeah, <laughs> my favorite shows when I was really really young was uh, Tom Ryder, uh, Xenia the Adventurer, mm-hmm. or this kind of thing. Yeah. So like strong female um, futuristic yeah. fighters, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Oh, not really futuristic, but like strong female fighters. I, I really okay. liked that when I was young. Or Buffy. I mean, okay. this is like yeah, see, a lot of nostalgia, but it was yeah. fun. Yeah. Or Chant. Did- <laughs> With the great um, intro by um, The Smith. I love yeah. I yeah. love the, the score so much. Yes. Yeah, me too. Um, how old were you when you got your first computer or laptop? I mean, you said you did so much hacking to, to get yeah, I games guess, for free. I guess uh, 12. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The boyfriend of my sister was working in, he was fixing computers. So we had, you know, we had like uh, some computers that you could like have different parts and build a computer like this. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that was the, I think he introduced me to computers and video games. I was playing with him video games uh, when I was like, I don't know, 10, 12. And this is how I learn. And then I, when you learn, then you do it yourself Mm -hmm. and then you grow by by knowing how to do it without even knowing how you learn, you know? Yeah. You're, you're 28 now, right? Um, yeah. Yes. So 10 years ago, Instagram started. It was just yeah. the 10 years anniversary of Instagram. Sure. Um, so you were 18. Did you get, get, did you get right into um, Instagram or didn't you have a smartphone yet? No, I had a far- smartphone for sure. But uh, no, uh, back in the days when Instagram started, it was uh, we were mostly Facebook was more popular. Mm-hmm. So we were using Facebook for everything, for events, mostly for groups, for things like this, like friends. Uh, and Instagram, I I think I had one, but I was not really active on it. Uh, it was not very popular at the beginning in France. Yeah. I- I mean, I, I remember that people were using it, but not until 2012 or 2013 that a couple of people really got into it like yeah. using the photo platform to get away from Facebook where it was getting more and more opinionated and uh, like posting articles and so on. It was just about pictures and nothing else. I mean, now Instagram has completely changed again where it's uh, also a very political platform, which is great that it's um, not only, you know, looking beautiful, yeah. but you can actually use your followers, your strength um, to change political stuff or get people to yeah, acknowledge it changed things. so much. Yeah. yeah. It's a real it's a real deal now like. Yeah. It's so big. It's it's crazy. And when it changed was, it changed the society as well, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think I think so too. Um let's think um like shitstorms for example. You really as someone who is an influencer or has like a great um number of followers, you actually think twice about um, the stuff you post about your wording, uh, about pretty much anything, um, to be, not to be political correct. So you don't get a shitstorm, but, but like, for example, I do think 
a lot about my post that I don't hurt anyone with the stuff yeah. I say. Yeah, yeah. Um, which yeah, is totally. which is nice if you are so aware and reflecting um, that you actually start like asking yourself, is that still the right thing to say? Um, you know, is this abusive language? Is this, 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 is that? That's really, really cool. But it gets also overwhelming, I guess, for a lot of people because there's so much information flowing yeah. through Instagram every single day. It is super overwhelming. And yeah. when, when my work went viral, uh, mm -hmm. on Instagram and I've seen my, you know, all of these followers and people like, uh, interacting with me and, becoming a thing I was super mega overwhelmed and super alone super mm -hmm. mega alone like and everybody's saying like oh this is great this is success everybody wants that mm -hmm. but uh man <laughs> it's it's tough it's not easy it's not easy and it needs time like like every transition you need time to reflect to understand to To, to understand how things works because this is a new reality. It's not mm -hmm. your, your, your previous reality. You don't, you don't use Instagram the same way. You don't talk about the same things. Uh, I had to learn how to don't talk to people because, mm -hmm. uh, because I'm super don't, nice. Don't be, yeah, don't be too nice. Otherwise people will take advantage of you. Exactly. It's very important. I mean, it's, it's, it's the internet. It's, virtual reality it's not real life most people probably wouldn't be your friends in real life so that's exactly. a thing especially teenagers need to learn these days i mean if you say you're 28 and your success started two years ago when you say it as a mid-20 like a strong female smart strong female you said you were overwhelmed just think of about a 15 year old, you know, yes. something we have to learn. We have to integrate into our lives. And I, I'm of the opinion that, for example, in schools, there should be something like uh, a media class, you know, where you learn about a, yeah. appropriate handling of social media, for example. Yeah, I totally agree. But it's so new and it goes so fast and establish mm -hmm. things like this takes some time and, mm -hmm. Uh, we might want to establish something like this today, but in two years it's gonna be is gonna be a different thing again. Mm -hmm. Outdated uh, already, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh it's it's pretty strange. I mean, I think there is a gap of generation. My sister is nine years old older than me, and I can mm -hmm. see that we don't use um this social tools and like uh, the new technologies, we don't use them in the same way. We have the mm -hmm. completely different lifestyle and completely different way to communicate with each other. And, uh, and it's just nine years is nothing like it's, it's not so much, but there is a gap of generation. And I think teachers, if they want to teach this to younger generation, they wouldn't even understand how yes. this generation very, works. Very and true. I'm, I'm 28. I, I, I'm in between. I'm the mm -hmm. generation in mm -hmm. between. So I, I grew up without all of, this, all of this social media tools and like technologies. And I've seen it from the beginning to, to now. But the generation that like grew up already with those tools and the social media that are super addictive, they are different generation. Mm -hmm. And I, 
I always think it's important to respect the new generation because the human being has this capability to adapt itself to mm -hmm. its environment and to the world, um, to the reality of the world. And um, I don't want to be like a conservative and say like, oh, it was be it was better before, da, da, da. I mean, our grandparents uh, didn't like when our parents uh, were listening to uh, punk music, no? Mm -hmm. It was uh, completely unacceptable. But uh, today, uh, we respect that this is a very strong and interesting culture, and this is how the world is, and you can't condemn someone to listen to punk music or to use social media in one way or another. It's a different generation, different perspective, different reality. So do you think um, we need to talk more between the generations um, to make the younger mind accessible to an older mind, for example, to completely understand how we're gonna how how do we, how are we gonna close the gap? Because I mean, this is important that we talk to each other, that we learn from each other. Otherwise, we'll be ending up in a huge fight of generations clashing i mean that's already it's already happening you know yeah, if yeah. you follow social media properly you can totally tell what's going on um how are we yeah. going to close this gap how are we going to talk <laughs> <laughs> i think communication is key i mean yeah. real communication i think i mean the way i talk to my mother she understand me uh she mm -hmm. under she there's things she don't understand but I'm honest and I'm communicating and I'm mm -hmm. explaining my, my point of view on things and you accept it and you, you, if you have a good communication with the people that surround you, it's okay, I guess. Yeah. It's very, very, um, interesting. I really liked how we completely left my, my path that I wrote down for our <laughs> interview here. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's all, you know, it's all written down where I wanted to go and we're definitely going to go back to it, but I love how we, ended up so quickly in a very important um, social topic. I mean, this yeah. is, you know, about our culture, about our social upbringing, about uh, living together. It's so much. And it's it's nice to hear it from you. And I, I know that you are very critical um, about the social part of social media. So mm -hmm. um, you pretty much showed it right away that that's something <laughs> yeah, I mean, you really think about that it's not about just creating a great filter that makes you look like plastic and everything is fine but there's actually a great mind behind it um yeah and and i think your point of view i would say right now is communication like proper real-time communication and yeah. not uh, virtual real reality life. um let's talk about you and your way Towards slowly towards Berlin. Um, I also read that you worked as a VJ. Um, was it yeah? Was it in clubs or at concerts? Where did you work as a VJ? So that was when I was living in Paris. Uh, so I was studying and I was working in bars. Mm -hmm. We had a bar crew called Diago Crew, and we were doing like I was working in clubs. I was working in all the biggest uh, techno festivals in Paris back in the day, mm -hmm. the weather festival, there was the Peacock Society and there was like all the blanks. Um, it was amazing parties and we had this crew of bar people. And so I got connected to the nightlife very quickly in Paris. So I was during the day, I was like studying or doing um, cultural 
work mm -hmm. uh, or internship. And during the night, I was like uh, working in bars or doing VJs. So I was really connected when there was a, a, a big parties. I was doing like VJ for one artist. So it was more like live shows mm -hmm. and I was doing uh, the video of, of it. I did video mapping as well. Um, so it was, I was not attached to one club. Mm -hmm. It was more like for one specific event. Uh, I'm working with one artist, uh, that fits the visual, my visual universe were fitting to the, to the music. Also, um, my, uh, ex-boyfriend is a light engineer. Mm -hmm. And so he was touring a lot, uh, to do live shows and we were like doing light and, And I was doing like visual. So we had, we're like really in the scene. We knew, we knew a lot of people in Paris. Mm -hmm. uh, and also a friend of mine built a musical level and there was like, um, five to six artists that we were like following and touring. Um, so I, I did live show, like for example, um, when uh, one artist was touring, I, I did the, the live show from, from the full live show. Uh, set up with the technical uh, projection and we were like going in I don't know in France in Lyon and stuff and and yeah yeah like this kind of like it's a different lifestyle yeah it's not office is why did why did you leave the scene why why did you decide to um leave VJing behind um I was not feeling great in Paris I was Paris is is less open-minded mm -hmm. I remembered so I worked a lot and I took my first holidays And I took uh, one week or two in Berlin mm -hmm. as my first holiday trip by myself. Uh, and so I arrived in Berlin and it was first of May. So pff, imagine the, the huge festival in the street and meeting everybody. Everybody's so happy. It's like la, la fiesta in, in Berlin, uh, the day of work. So after, after this holiday trip in Berlin, I realized that like actually in Europe, people were way more open-minded, uh, way less critical. And uh, the lifestyle is way easier, like in an everyday life basis, mm -hmm. no? Like you're going uh, to a restaurant or you're going to a bar, the, the, the size of the flat itself is way bigger. You, you breathe, you breathe. Mm -hmm. Because Paris is you... The lifestyle in Paris is like being a sur sur survivor. Yeah, it's very... It's, it's a survival mode. Yeah, it's a very condensed kind of living because you have yeah. to have real money to live in a proper apartment where you can breathe. Um, yeah. Otherwise, it's quite tiny. Um, and it's also quite hectic in Paris, I would say. You know, it's everyone is, is on the run, you know. Mm. Every, all the time you're on the run, mm -hmm. you, you never rest, mm -hmm. you never think, you never, you always have a little pressure on your shoulders and you always have to go here and there. You take the subway, you have to run, you have, you have techniques to, to get a seat in the subway. You have techniques to get faster in this way, in, uh, to, to, to get out of the tourist kind of places. Um, you, it's, it's really like, Also, there is a lot of like, um, uh, you can be harassed on the streets, mm -hmm. uh, if you're a woman and you don't know how to talk to people in one way, then like they, they're gonna arrest you. So it's survival mode. Mm -hmm. You're like here with your backpack and you're like, tuk, 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 I'm going here, da, da, I do this, da, da, da. but you never had time to really, uh, 
relax mm -hmm. and think and reflect to yourself. And in Berlin, I found this. So after this trip, I, I, I just moved. Mm -hmm. I was like, why do I get, why, why I will lose my time in Paris where I can have a better life in Berlin and I can like uh, work on myself, take take some time for myself, meet new people, meet new art scene, meet new things, discover, I don't know. Mm. So I moved, I met people, I worked on my portfolio, uh, I did like some project here and there, I did like some workshop because I was still very connected to the digital art scene. So I was doing, I don't know, video mapping here. Uh, a workshop uh, in Kazakhstan uh, I invited here and there and uh, but my main goal was to find a real job to just to make my to uh, how to say so my mother can feel uh, relaxed yeah because having a freelance lifestyle and being in the art world and like you don't ha really have money and you're always like to the next thing to survive But um, it's really stressful for my mother, you know, like I've always, always been the black sheep as doing, doing like experimental things and like things that she has no clue about. And so I found a job in um, in advertising agency. First of all, I did my website and uh, it was kind of like very experimental website. Uh, it was an underwater portfolio in a 3D universe and it went viral. Mm -hmm. So it was my first thing that went viral. Uh, I was in reposting all the designer and web um, kind of uh, websites and, uh, um, you know, like this kind of scene, like uh, design and digital art and things. And so every time I did interview to find a job, like in, in studio or in advertising agency or here and there, every time people were like, oh, I saw your website. So okay. it really helped me to to get into showing my portfolio and all the other works I was doing, but I I was not doing only like a, I was I always been into new technologies and and experimental stuff. I think it's way more interesting. Yeah. I like to do things that I I haven't seen before, you know. Mm -hmm. So so then I found this job and I got a. a I remember I had two creative directors. One was more uh, design. So he really appreciate, appreciated my technical side of things. And the other uh, creative director was conceptual. And uh, and he saw the potential of, of conceptual work and storytelling I had in my work that I even didn't know. Mm -hmm. And because of him, I learned so much. I learned so much about like, okay, actually like, Making things that make sense is is way more important for me than like making things that looks good. And before, when I was in Paris, when I was doing VJ, I was in the visual art field. So it was the and other way. It was the other way around. It was about looking good exactly. and not making sense. It was just like maybe exactly. speaking to the heart, but not so much to the uh, exactly like conceptual part of the brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the story. Yeah, you okay. know, like mm -hmm. the the thing that what does it talk talk about mm -hmm. i i really believe that we can contribute uh to inspire the future as well like we can we can do works today and we we have the possibility to do works that can seed new ideas and maybe shift um shift the future to something that like is more interesting uh, or can trigger um other concepts and trigger discussion mm -hmm. i i think it's really important to do works 
that triggers discussion. So everybody talks about it and then it gets into the mind of the people and then it can bring an idea to someone else mm -hmm. that will do something else and, and et cetera, et cetera. That's why my work is, is very, sometimes when you look at the big picture, it's, it's very eclectic. Yeah. But uh, I think it's important to to do things that make sense right now and that uh, that pe that makes people think or talk about yeah. it. Yeah, the work is a virtual reality work, so it's not here. We can't hold on to it. But mm -hmm. I do want to get um, a bit more hands on. Um, because I want to know about your work situations and how, how you actually create. Um, so I read yeah. that Spark AR Studio started in 2017. And from 2018, yeah. designers like you were able to design a face filter to be released on Instagram, for example. And you did that. Um, and also I read that in a dark apartment in Moabit, <laughs> a little yeah. district or kids. Not so dark. Not so dark. I had access to the rooftop, okay. so it was, it was amazing. No, no, it was amazing. But you did like, the, it was, you did like the dark to see the screen properly so you could work. Of course. Yes. Of course. And, of course, but today I'm reaching for light. Okay. What was the first face filter? And um, just for someone like me, who is more into analog creating face filters by mm -hmm. maybe drawing and painting on a piece of paper um how does the work look like when you create a face filter uh, um, <laughs> maybe very simple so people like me can understand <laughs> no yeah yeah totally so how it started you know like so i was working in advertising agency and my work as a digital creative is what i'm always doing mm -hmm. is always finding new technology things that make sense to communicate or to tell a story no Uh, so I, I digged into Spark AR because, uh, I thought it was interesting to, 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 to start using it because back in the days, face filter was like just dark faces and like something very gimmicky. Yeah. And it was not really introduced to, in the society, but like there was like way more potential. Um, I, I could see that there was way more potential than just like dog faces and stuff. What I liked about uh, Spark AR, for me, it's a reduced way of, uh, reduced um, tool, like Unity 3D. Unity 3D is a, is a game engine, so you can do like uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, you can do video game, you can build world and stuff. And I was using a lot this mm -hmm. uh, this software before, so when I jumped into Spark AR, it was kind of familiar for me. I kind of understood how it was working. Um And I'm not like the most technical person. Like uh, I know how to write a small script, but like it's not my thing. Mm -hmm. I'm more like the creative side. Mm -hmm. What I liked about Spike AR is that as I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm really into the photography uh, world. Uh, I work with photography. I do, I do photography myself. And photography is about uh, playing with lights. Uh, Playing with light, you, you place light on the, on the scene or you play with light to, to highlight the model mm -hmm. when, when there is a model, no? And so, uh, I can, for me, I, I use augmented reality at the beginning to do a virtual studio. So the model is myself or is you or is everyone. And, uh, I started to place lights 
as I would love to place lights on the studio, photography mm -hmm. studio. Uh, so I put a light here, I put a light there, and then suddenly the the face of the the user is uh, highlighted in one way. You can play with colors, you can make them rotate. Uh, it's an interactive uh, photography studio. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is how I started, but then like, depending on how complicated uh, is the filter, it can go as far as like uh, some complex um, nodes that I'm connecting together, which is like more programming and and it's a different story. But the base of the base of the base of my work was just like a virtual studio. Yeah, okay. Playing and, with lights and colors. And the outcome, I mean, for example, Beauty 3000 is uh, your probably most famous face filter, which got used I don't know, over half a million at least, if not uh, many times more. Um It has a very cyborgy aesthetic. And you said it before, it was cute with dog and, and rabbit ears and nothing else. And, and there it was, this shiny kind of plasticky skin as if you were wrapped in, in foil. Um, yeah. it's, it looks very unnatural at the same time, very beautiful. Um, and yeah. I have my headline here. It says, let's talk cyborgs. Um, yeah. The next question <laughs> is a bit longer because I have to, yeah, I have to tell you a little story. I once had an interview with a female artist who studied yeah. computational art here in Berlin. And she said it was a very male course, like very binary, focused only on the technical side of generating a design, for example. But mm -hmm. her work um, was based on biology. She's a very great nerd as well, um, very bio biology <laughs> nerd. And her classmates yeah. didn't understand or didn't want to understand um, the bio biology side of um, computational, uh, computational art. Uh, and that's mm -hmm. why, and now I get into the point in question, she read Donna Haraway's essay, A Cyborg Manifesto. Mm -hmm. It's a feminist socialist essay mm -hmm. um, to show how being stuck in binaries creates power, which we know. Mm -hmm. I mean, because when yeah. you have just two genders, for example, one must be the stronger one, you know. Yeah. Um, and a cyborg destroys the idea of binaries because it's a hybrid of a biology being uh, and a robot. Yeah, so of, there like, is no gender. No, there is no gender, and there's also you can't really say it's is that just a technical thing or does it have blood and you know breath going on like the biology side of it? Um, was that also like your understanding of creating the cyborg aesthetic? Was that breaking the binaries? Mm, no, that that was not my my uh, my goal mm -hmm. into working with cyborgs. I just think we are all cyborgs today mm -hmm. uh, and we don't really realize it, but it's a thing. We all, with our devices, we're all using uh, social media, Google Map, uh, everything to do anything. It's like a part of ourselves. It's just not connected to our body yet. Mm -hmm. And I think it will be. And... It's just the fact to realize this. And I'm also like, I'm a freak. I love cyborgs. <laughs> I, I love uh, Blade Runner. I love uh, this type of movie, like Ghost in the Shells, where the 
artificial intelligence or the the technical side of things are emerging with the body mm. um yeah I think it's I think it's uh, our future. Yeah, I mean I really th do think. that's 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 your point of view and you're super nerdy. Um but still your your cyborg beauty filter appeals to so many people. It's so successful. Why do you think do you have an idea why it's it's yeah, more successful than a yeah. regular beauty filter? Of course. Uh first of all, it was the first filter that went viral mm -hmm. before at this time there was no there was like the dog face and the cat face and like all of this kind of thing but there was nothing really fashion really beauty related mm -hmm. really and instagram is is uh, is huge for fashion and for beauty like it's huge and so it i think it it made sense uh, at this time where Uh, so many people are using uh, Instagram to to show themselves, uh, to to be fashionable, to be um, beautiful. But it was the perfect balance, I think. So first of all, people use social media to storytell themselves. Mm -hmm. I'm using Instagram to tell my story, to show my life, to show a part of myself. Um, or a facet of myself or to build a character but uh, it's about me Yeah. the beauty 3000 effect that I did um, doesn't transform your face it's still you it's transparent, transparent enough it's uh, minimal enough that you still recognize yourself mm -hmm. you, you can still story tell, story tell your own story with it it's not gonna hide your face it's not etc etc so it was really balanced. And the, the, the fashionable uh, aspects of it made a lot of sense uh, at this time uh, in, in the beginning of 2019 where there was nothing like this. And, uh, and it was like a, a different way to use face filters. Uh, I think that why, that, that's why it went so popular. Yeah. And also like... I don't know. It's really, it's kind of, I, I like this kind of work where you use it and suddenly you have like a visceral kind of reaction with your body. And it's kind of fascinating. It's very editorial. I I think the whole time of uh, editorial fashion shoots, for example, where they um, want to do something different from what we know, from the typical, I don't know, using Photoshop to make the legs look um smaller longer whatsoever yeah um yeah. it's quite interesting because yeah it was the beginning of two th 2019 and now we're almost at the end of 2020 two years in instagram is actually a lot of movement um something when we think more analog would be like a growth between 2001 and 2020 because the internet and Instagram yeah. especially is very fast um, and yeah. I understand that um, talking about how fast Instagram is your fil face filter went viral and your follower number mm -hmm. went like through the roof like you're from four digits to six yeah. digits digits and you currently have over 600,000 um, how did yeah how did it make you feel especially because you've like this in-between generation that grew up with 
none of that. And now you're like a star of this yeah. new generation. Man, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I freaked out. I freaked out. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, as I said, like, it was really, really overwhelming. And like, most of the people like don't see the, this side of things. And I had to learn uh, a lot and understand how things works. It changed my life, mm -hmm, no? Definitely. Like it gave me a new perspective, but I had no choice to go back to before. Mm -hmm. um, and I tried. Uh, I tried, but, uh, but I'm really happy. I mean, today I'm really happy uh, about this and I'm working on it. I want to build my company and I love the work I'm doing. Uh, but I, I'm not doing only uh, face filters, of course, mm -hmm. but uh, my work with face filters, is, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, it was very overwhelming. I did a burnout. I accepted too many jobs. Uh, I, I I had to find my balance now with all of this. Mm -hmm. um, the I think the worst thing was like when you became successful, suddenly like some friends or some people that you, you don't heard about uh, since years they like hey like being your like being your best friend mm -hmm. but your best friends you know who are your best friend you, you there's no you can't fake it no mm -hmm. so the reaction from my social surrounding was like the most surprising uh side not in a good way um but uh but you learn huh? you learn all of this it seems yeah. it seems like you had a, a really fast track life experience to that the last few years you experienced what a lot of people don't experience in their whole life actually like you know mm -hmm. finding out who your real friends are um, work-life balance very important to build your own company but you were prepared for your success you said to your sister this will make me famous yes that's true <laughs> but I wasn't prepared I okay. just knew I just knew that was that was a good work. I had this visceral feeling. And and this is what I'm trying to find when it triggers something you can't even explain with words. Uh, and it talks mm. about a lot of things and it makes sense and you understand kind of the story of it. Like it refers to the future, mm. it's talking about beauty and it's on you and it's yeah it's provoked something like in your body that like fuck this is good mm -hmm. <laughs> and so i told my sister yeah nat you will see this this is gonna blow i know but i did i mm -hmm. i didn't and expect it that it would blow like this like pff, that was and i was not I prepared at all i was not prepared <laughs> and all of the, all of a sudden someone like billy eilish knocks on your virtual door And wants to work yeah. with you. <laughs> yes, and so many, so many others. And I remember, uh, I, I, I have an Apple Watch, and I was wearing it. Uh, mm -hmm. And my Apple Watch was telling me, uh, giving me some warnings because my heartbeat was so high. It was like calm really? down because I was receiving emails all the time, like and uh, like the biggest brands, and I was like, oh my god, what am I gonna do? How to deal with this? Like super scary, because of course I want to do, but uh, it's it's your life changed tremendously from 
uh, the beginning of 2019 till now because you said the biggest brands and um, I just have Nike in my head because you moved to Portland yeah. and the headquarters of Nike is in yeah, Portland. Exactly. Um, and my move, my move was... to Portland was, so when Nike reached out to me, it was before I went viral. They were already interesting mm -hmm. with interested with my profile mm -hmm. because of my the variety of my uh, of my digital works uh, that makes sense and and they were looking for for um, uh, profiles like me like mine and the the, mm -hmm. the process into all of this is very long anyway and then I went viral. Uh, and I, I was like, okay, I'm not sure. I don't know what to do. I'm like, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> so I did a lot of freelance. Uh, I stopped working in advertising agency and I, I, I did the things I wanted to do. Also, the cool thing with, with the, with having so much reach is that you have the opportunity to speak out and to project that, uh, makes sense so I did a lot of talks and I did projects like uh, the digital dress and for me those projects are topics that are necessary to talk about today not two years ago and not um, I mean last year and not today because it's it's actual it makes sense and so I did it uh, because mm -hmm. because I can so I'm gonna I, I, I can do it so I will do it um Mm -hmm. But, but yeah, but uh, middle of the year I was really overwhelmed and I, I didn't like my lifestyle at all um, because everything changed and I, I, I was, yeah. So, so I accepted the job at Nike and I wanted to go back to like a, to a regular, regular lifestyle kind of uh, life. Uh, so going to the yeah. office, having a team, working with team, thinking about da, da, da. Yeah. And it was cool. It was amazing experience, but also I was missing the, I wanted to go back to my personal work and then the coronavirus uh, outbreak happened and I was like, okay, I'm going back to Europe. <laughs> and I, and I, I moved to Spain the first day of the confinement of the, um, the lockdown. Okay. The I was lockdown, so lucky yeah. and I don't know how all of this happened, but it happened and I'm here and, and I got really lucky to, to, I don't know. To think about moving and 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 just doing back doing it and coming back to Europe and uh, and yeah, but like now I I learned all of this and now I know what I want to do and how to develop myself personally um, and uh, and I'm I have the thoughts way more clear than I had in the middle of the years 2019. And also, like, I, I met my father also, like, so, so many things happened to me in 2009. <laughs> it was like a really, really strong and, and full and full of changes, life changes 2019 for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you just said, you now know what you want to do. What do you want to do? Uh, now, so I want to continue to do what I'm doing. I want to build a company. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and I start to have uh, the people I'm working with. So I have my, uh, manager. I have, um, uh, a girl, uh, from Paris that is doing video that we, we have a really similar universe and I love what she's doing. So I can do like more highly produced, uh, work with her. I have a super cool creative technologist that I love to work with. It's like it through, With time, you you meet the people that you realize the communication is good. We have a good workflow. I want to work with you. 
And so I want to establish this. So, you know, like step by step, you start realizing that like, okay, so things start to look like a team. Things start to look like something mm-hmm. concrete. Um, and, and yeah, I want to continue to do this. And so I want to continue to do like face filters and like uh, push the boundary of what's possible with it and like create storytelling and express myself mm-hmm. uh, with face filter. But I also still want to do uh, speculative design and like, Yeah. Talk more. Of, so, yeah. You, talk would, more about the future. Uh, I'm sorry to to, yeah. to to interrupt you there with the speculative designs. Um, I have to think of your augmented fictional, um, George technical jewelry yeah. collection. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. Yeah. You mean? Okay. Yeah, exactly. This type okay. of projects are for me like way more interesting. Um, not way more. It's. It's different. It's something I like mm-hmm. to do is to talk about possible futures. Mm-hmm. And how does the how does the 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 dress you did last year fit in there? Does it still fit in there or of is it last year? Yeah, yeah, for me it's like another project that like triggers discussion that talks about a possible mm-hmm. future because today like we mm-hmm. all using digital uh, tools, digital uh, techniques And we are using it to make art, but mm. there is no regulation. There is no, it's so different. And we have to establish and, and ask the rest, the right question to, to try to fix it. Because you go to a gallery, um, like the, the, when you're an artist and you do like a sculpture, a painting, something tangible, um, It's, it's already established. You know how to sell it. You know how to uh, prove that it's the real one. You have like certifications, uh, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. When it's uh, something non-tangible, the work suddenly, we don't know how to do this. And the yeah. blockchain yeah. part of it was uh, something that made sense uh, for it because blockchains is like a digital wallet where you have like a, all of the data And if you compare it to mm-hmm. like a certification, which is a paper signed, it's the same. It's just two different forms. So yeah, there is only one wallet for this digital dress. It's on the blockchain and one owner and then the second owner and the third owner will be like written in this, in this, um, in this wallet. So yeah, is the, is the way to prove that is the, it is the real work. Yeah, um, I just have to give the listeners a, a quick background because we jumped right into uh, this dress. Oh, yeah. uh, you designed a dress last year, which didn't exist in real, only in digital. Yeah. And um, it's non-textile. There is no cloth. It's an only virtual dress and it was sold in an auction for nine and a half thousand dollars. Yeah, so this project was made with... Yeah, so this project was made with... Uh, Dapper Labs, which is a, a incubator, or I don't really know. They they the one that founded uh, CryptoKitties, for example. They really into cryptocurrencies and like they have they do amazing work that like establish new things um, with blockchain mm-hmm. technologies. Uh, and Dapper Labs, which is a digital fashion um, digital fashion uh, studio. They do digital collection, digital clothes, 
uh, and they designed the, the dress. And so we got mm. in conversation, all of us three together, and um, we thought about making this this project because it made sense and it triggers the right um, the the right topic of discussion, talking about sustainability, talking about like digital ownership, talking about uh, about um, the future, but is today and the way people use social media as well, because everybody like show themselves on pictures with like amazing clothes. But like, if you use this clothes just one day, then it's a waste somehow. Like the haute couture mm -hmm. is not something that you're going to use. It's going to be like most of the time in your, in your closet. Yeah, and it's it's like a status symbol to own it because it costs like a like a car exactly. or something. Um, but but at the yeah. end of the day, so, if you can have it digital, it's the same because you're mm -hmm. gonna have it on your Instagram mm -hmm. anyway, so it's gonna exist. It's gonna mm -hmm. be real. But mm -hmm. if it exists in real life or not, what does it change? Also, the the thing I like with my work and digital the digital uh, fashion is that. You can push boundary of design and creativity. You can do things that are not mm -hmm. possible in the real life. And this is what I love to do, is to do things that mm -hmm. you can't have in the real life. If you can design a dress, why not the dress uh, has no gravity? Why not the dress um, mm -hmm. is, isn't made by... It can be water, it can be wood, it can be like a dress in concrete... It can be things that like mm. I would love yeah. to see in real, but it's not possible. So I can do it in the digital. And mm -hmm. now I think for me, this is what makes sense. I don't like to use digital technology and digital tools to do things that already exist in the real life. It, it's not fun. Yeah. Okay. Now I understand uh, your approach to the future of fashion, because I was also thinking when I read so many interviews with you um, and articles about you, especially also about the, the dress that um, I was imagining, because I said you, you said something similar, I was imagining us just wearing like a nude overall body and then yeah. we have like a virtual reality or augmented whatever reality glasses on and then just scan the person and see what they're Work, yeah, like what the virt the virtual dressing is like. Oh, but that was, exactly, that was, but this is was, but, already happening. Okay, and I, I, I'm, I to, I'm totally so with off. it. <laughs> yeah, but no, I I love this too because I think maybe one day we're gonna be like this. But if you think about video game today, mm -hmm. video games is a is a is a three D world where you can uh, embody a character, which is you or not, and. Mm. And you can wear digital clothes. You can you can wear whatever wear whatever you want. You can own uh, if you play Fortnite, for example, you can buy skins. So you you look like the way you want to look, and mm. and so I think it's already happening today, but not in the physical world. But if augmented reality develop more and more, and we have like I don't know digital lenses or digital glasses um, that makes us able to see augmented reality in the real life and mixed these two worlds i think it might happen i think it's a cool it's a cool vision to wear like a bodysuit and then like mm -hmm. see everybody with a digital layer of crazy crazy outfits yeah. uh but but i don't think it will happen like in the next uh 40 years i, I think i i might be dead already <laughs> but i i am fascinated by this kind of vision yeah 
I now understand Even also. I now understand why you always say in, in your interviews that your future is no dark black mirror future. It's something happy and delighted, maybe more female than yeah. like this kind of male tech scene darkness that's uh, projected onto our screens in um, in films yeah. and and yeah, series. <laughs> I mean, I love this vision of like very dark and like super foggy and post-apocalyptic mm -hmm. kind of uh, mood. I, I love it. But uh, if we can do something a little bit more fresh and a little bit mm -hmm. more elegant, and uh, why not? No, mm -hmm. uh, the, I haven't seen many. There is few artists like that does this, but I haven't seen in the digital art scene, the real established digital art scene. I haven't seen something very elegant that makes uh, that makes uh, fashion and photography and you know something a little bit more less detached to to uh, our society but more really taking part of it right now so we exactly. can also relate to it a bit more exactly to the dystopian views that we're getting on netflix for example exactly yeah yeah, yeah. okay understand that um you said it you already said it you had a burnout um you mm -hmm. know like in the in the midst of creating your own company Mm -hmm. you are a freelancer and I know for myself as a freelancer you work weird hours it's Saturday today but Saturday afternoon we could be out yeah. shopping for clothes or whatever yeah. <laughs> or just food but we're sitting here and talking yeah it's work I really enjoy yeah. it but it's work uh, yeah. for me it's not work <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're, we're mixing work and pleasure you know yeah. um, do you have a structure or rituals that you uh Yeah, don't yeah, lose yourself again. Of course. I mean, I have a structure, meaning like, uh, I know that uh, from nine to six, it's office hours. And if I mm -hmm. have to work with uh, people, um, I'm more or less available. If I have to deliver something, I will be, I will be available. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I'm more like, uh, I follow my flow. <laughs> I like, I realized that like I'm working way more uh the workflow is way more easy if I if I do it when I feel it and if mm -hmm. I feel it uh if I feel designing uh Saturday evening in front of the TV uh, I do it and if I don't mm -hmm. feel it because I want to go out with my friend and I have a beer I I I go out with my friend and I have a beer and I just like I ha I learned how to listen to myself Because you become way more productive mm -hmm. if you do the things the way you feels the the way it feels right to do it. Yeah, um, having your own com company and being successful now. I'm just thinking of your sister again, that uh, who was like your uh, like a role model in mm -hmm. like a like a proper adult lifestyle. I mean, um, she's still my role model yeah. forever. Yeah. She's my my older sister, so this yeah. is how it is. <laughs> but but do you, do you feel more accomplished now? Um, how you are now? How you set up? Now? Of course, of yeah. course. Yeah, right now I feel I know myself. I mm. I had to learn how to know myself and to know that uh, yeah maybe I can be disorganized, but I know how to deal with it. And it's fine. I know that I'm not good with writing text, but I'm really good at, at discussing with people. And mm -hmm. so I know my strength 
and I know my weaknesses. And uh, if I have to deliver something that implies my weaknesses, I had to learn that, okay, maybe it's better to work with a writer. Yeah. Because the process of writing for me, I can do it, but it will take more time and it will be more painful. Yeah. Uh, but having a discussion with a writer that can understand my my thoughts and my 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 feelings and like put them in in words uh it's way more interesting for me mm-hmm. so yeah i mean it's a, it's a life uh time learning and process to yeah. know how to learn yourself and know how you work what works for you what doesn't work for you and um and life and work for me is is the same principle mm-hmm. that's a very big big important part of staying healthy to have like your mindset uh, analyzed and proper self-reflecting and and feeling yourself fi- like finally feeling yourself what's what's good and what's what's not so good for you um, how do you stay healthy otherwise do you have certain like sporting routines or yeah, yeah. I do nature walks okay <laughs> I do a lot of sport I I love it. It makes me feel good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, during the lockdown, I learned everything about diet. So mm-hmm. now I'm a, I'm not a freak, but I, I really take care about what I'm eating. Um, I did a DNA test as well. And I learned a lot about like my type of, even though I knew it, but like it just like put in words that like, so for example, Uh, I'm more, I'm more like a carnivore kind of person. I need a lot of protein. I have a lot of strength and that's probably why I like to do sports so, so much. Like, I don't know. I can build muscle very easily somehow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's me. I don't know. I'm like this. Uh, but yeah, learning about diet and, 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 uh, knowing that I like to do sport and, and all of this is, is important for me. I mean, I always been super active anyways. So. Uh, you know, as you understood, my life goes really fast and mm-hmm. I think it never, it never stopped to be so fast. <laughs> Do you take track of your screen time? Do you keep track of? Oh, that? my screen time is terrible. I don't want, okay. I, okay. I'm, so we don't talk about it. <laughs> we just put a blind eye on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm all over the screens. Like, uh, I'm, I have two phones. Uh, I'm always working on my laptop. My laptop is my second, I don't know, is, is a part of me, no? Mm-hmm. Okay, my phone is a part of me like everybody, but my laptop is even more like, it's my tool to, li- to live, to work, to create, to do anything. I just need my laptop. I can go everywhere in the world. I'm traveling a lot. I'm dif- discovering places. I'm going in a road trip, whatever. But if I have my laptop, I can be, I, I can work. So. Yeah. Yeah, I have one last question. Um, you said you made it to Spain just before the lockdown, when mm-hmm. co- Corona, when COVID-19 started. Yeah. Has it uh, affected you and your work otherwise as well? Because I'm thinking, I mean, of course, you're remote. You can work any anytime from anywhere. Um, it's a lot of digital stuff, but you do need clients to work for, I guess. So yeah. um, are your clients affected and your work is less than it was before because of that? Mm, not really. Okay. To be honest. Okay. Like, I always... And even if I don't have work, I do, I still work. Even if mm-hmm. it's not for money, 
I still do some project that like like the augmented senses project was like an idea that came to my mind during the lockdown. Uh, and and for me it's it's work but it's not really work it's like it, yeah okay it's work but I'm I'm not going to I'm I'm not doing it for money but it brings clients and interest anyway so so yeah no I mean it's okay for now it's okay but I, I don't know as well you know I think it's affecting everybody mm-hmm. uh and if the co- economy goes down is it going down for everybody yeah. so so for now it's okay and maybe maybe the budget are less high than than before but uh yeah this covid uh, thing is uh, is a bitch anyways so the cool thing is that again like the world is changing all the time new technologies uh, are appearing all the time us as human being we have to adapt ourselves anyway yeah so yeah. Even if it doesn't work, uh, one one type of work doesn't work doesn't work anymore. At some point, then you need to evolve. You need to adapt. You need to find what works today. And if something was working well last year, it might not work next year. So you need to adapt it to to make it work tomorrow. Yeah. No. No. S- no stagnating like we really have to keep on moving also to keep our brain fit um because if we get locked into like one pattern um yeah we will not only get bored but i think very unhappy as well yeah yeah for sure i mean i i'm i know that i'm against doing over and over the same thing mm-hmm. And I've never done over and over, over and over the same thing, and I'm mm-hmm. not gonna do it. I I just know that life will bring me things that I'm gonna be interested to work with, and I'm gonna do it uh, if it makes sense right now. And tomorrow is gonna be something else, and it's gonna be super exciting. Yeah, <laughs> I'm super excited um, about like what's what's coming new, um, and how we can use new tools and new technologies and anything. In different ways, I like to merge different. Um, if we can merge like a, one technique and one tool with a, a culture or, or subcultures and make them meet, this is where when uh, amazing amazing things happens. Okay. Experimentation. Yeah. Thank you so much, Joanna, for giving a very very deep insight into your own life. That was a lot uh, you didn't have to share, <laughs> but you did. And also a very interesting and kind of bright perspective into the future. So thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for yeah. your time. That Thank was you fun. Too. <laughs> Thank you too. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very honest and I'm a very honest person. I can't uh, talk in different way. Like yeah. I, we can do that anytime. I'm going to be talking about what I think and my life and because all of this is together no yeah so i'm just gonna say au revoir (laughs) au revoir revoir. i hope to see you in real life one day yeah me too a bientôt (laughs) tschüss (laughs) tschüss (laughs) 
Joanna Jaskowska, the Instagram face filter queen. A very interesting person and also a very nice one. I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I did. And if you did, maybe you leave us some feedback at Apple or Instagram. And by the way, this is the last episode of 2020. Our podcast team is taking a little break over Christmas and New Year's. That means we will hear each other next year. So long, stay healthy and goodbye. Das war der Telekom Electronic Beats Podcast. Abonniert den Podcast bei Apple, Soundcloud, Spotify oder Deezer. Wir sehen uns im Club. Bis dann.